morning in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Growing up, did you ever have a parent say something like this? Let that sink in. Most of the time, Fred said it to me on the way out of my room when I was grounded. Let that sink in. But the truth is, there are a number of things in life that don't sink in. For instance, sometimes people just don't get how much they're loved by parents until they're gone. Or sometimes you don't uh, appreciate your upbringing until you are now a grandparent or parent yourself. Or sometimes you don't appreciate the small town or the small county you were raised in in southwestern Ohio. Amen? Well, Easter is something that needs to sink in. And we find an interesting description of that in Luke's gospel. But before we get there, I want to set the stage just a little bit. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what is known as synoptic gospels. It simply means that they're, they're, they're seen the same way or they have a common view. So when you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you're going to find a lot of the same stories recorded by three different witnesses. And when you think about the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that makes sense that nearly 90% of Mark is found in Matthew and about 50% of Mark appears in the book of Luke. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, what about John? For some reason, John is, is a little different style. It, it's, it's, it's almost a little more personal. As he writes, and as many of you would write letters and have, have your own style and the way you do things, uh, folks would probably, it wouldn't take long for them to figure out how you write and what your style is, but... The synoptic gospels really give us a great picture of something that, that really is supernatural, and that is that Jesus says three times in each, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to go to the cross. Matthew writes to a predominantly Jewish audience. Mark seems to write to the Roman audience. And Luke to this broader Gentile audience. Who would be a Gentile? Those that were not Jews. And in this passage, he reminds us of a promise that all three of the synoptic writers, witnesses, gospels record, and that is because of the love of God for you and I, these things will happen. Now, a lot of people, if I were to ask you to tell me what Easter is, uh, if I were to ask a child what Easter is, sometimes a child may start referring to uh, patent leather shoes and an Easter basket. But for you and I as believers and for that child who knows Christ as their Savior, Easter is about the Lord Jesus and the cross of Calvary. And a cross that was used to execute the greatest love ever known that led to a tomb that would be temporary and a risen Savior who lives in the heart of every believer who's in this room right now. Now listen to me, Christian. That's something to smile about. 
Don't you ever think that the weight of the world is on your shoulders or my shoulders and we're just going to live in despair because we're so overwhelmed? Let me tell you, he took our overwhelmingness on the cross of Calvary so that we could have freedom. Let that sink in this morning. Father, for everyone who is here and everyone who's watching, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us one more time. Help us this morning rightfully divide the word of truth In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Luke chapter 9, very familiar because it's also being said in the other gospels. I want to begin by by setting the scene as we get to this announcement. When you look at the beginning of Luke chapter 9, he sent out to 12. Your Bible probably has some kind of heading above the chapter that talks about the sending of the 12. It also says in verse 7, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him. By who? By Jesus. And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead. And by some that Elijah had appeared and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. And Herod said... John I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? For he sought to see him. Now before we get a picture and paint a picture that Herod is in good mind, he really wants to see Jesus, the miracle-working, loving Jesus, let's be reminded that there was another Herod who was seeking the life of the born baby Jesus, who told the wise men, Come back that I may worship him. Tell me where he is. And when you, when you find him, come back and tell me that I may worship him. And we know the Bible says that it wasn't about worshiping Jesus. It was about executing Jesus. Well, friend, let me tell you, nothing was going to happen in the life of Jesus Christ that he did not allow. And when you think about the cross, I want you to be reminded this morning that Jesus willingly went to Calvary for you and me that he willingly did it. And when I think about my life, I'm thinking, boy, if the church just really knew me, you would see what a worthless pastor you have. But only by the grace of God do any of us sit here this morning praising him for the cross and for redemption and for forgiveness, amen? And four new starts. I love that. When you give your life to Christ, listen to me. For for us old schoolers, he went to the chalkboard and he raced it. For you new schoolers, he went to the computer and deleted it. The whiteboard. So that you could have a new start and, and be free and fresh and live knowing that it had been paid for and it's the cross that makes the difference. Let that sink in just for a minute this morning. Following Herod looking for him, we go to the great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. I love this story. Boy, the gospel writers portray it so wonderful. And I love the fact that God used a little boy. I love the fact that that God used a, a simple lunch. And I love the fact that God gave them more in the leftovers than they gave for the meal. And that reminds me that God will always give me more than I give him. Amen? He'll always give me more than I give him. 
And then you get to 18, and it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered all of these things that they had been telling Herod. Some say John the Baptist or Elijah. The others say one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And I like, I think Matthew maybe a little better here where it says, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. I love that. And I want to tell you this morning, look at me, that's the most important question in life. Who is Jesus? That's the most important question in life you'll ever answer. Because when you recognize that he's your Savior, you'll understand that he died on the cross that you should have died on, that I should have died on, and that he paid a debt I could never pay myself. I love that. I love that. Yesterday I went to a ball game, and, and you know when you have grandkids, you don't care, shh, you don't care what things cost. And went to a ball game, and I just couldn't wait. I, I'd been talking it up. When we get to the ball game, I'm going to get you a hot dog. You know, I was talking it up. And when we got there and I went to pay for the hot dog, you know what they said to me? Sorry, sir, we don't take cash. It really makes sense when you think about it at a big event. But what they're saying is we're still doing it kind of the COVID-friendly practice and everything's plastic and there's no exchange of money and hands and all that, boom, 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 boom. And I thought, what about that? They didn't take what we think we always need. Well, the truth is, the story of Easter is God using what we had to have. And it was himself. And do we not believe this morning? Look at me. I don't want to surprise anybody. Don't want anybody to come to this church surprised that we believe this. We believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. So when he was born of Bethlehem, born of a virgin, which is a miracle in itself, amen? You scientists, amen? Living a sinless life, then goes to the cross. It was God in the flesh dying to pay a debt for us we could never pay ourselves. And here's what I love about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was on the cross, heaven was not vacant. When Jesus ascended into heaven, listen, the Holy Spirit came. And the good news is, it's the Holy Spirit that continues to change hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that continues to call. And the good news is, it's the Lord Jesus who was the propitiation, was the exact payment God the Father had to have to pay for your sin and my sin. And I love that. I love that. I also love the way Luke gives an account to detail. Now, I would like to say that most doctors like Dr. Luke, are attentive to detail. And it's important that they're reading the right chart or the right screen. And Luke seems to write that as he incorporates a few things almost as building blocks in three different announcements in the Gospel of Luke when it comes to the cross. Verse 21. And he, Jesus, strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things 
and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. And raised the third day. Now, when you look at verse 21, I believe it bridges verse 20 and the cross in verse 22. The confession of Peter. That you're the Christ. That you're the Christ. And as he warns and commands them to tell no one, he says, listen, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Jesus is talking to his inner circle. He's talking to the inner circle. He's talking to the ones whom he has invested in. But there's also a crowd mentioned that includes Herods that are saying, who is this? And the Bible says back in verse 9, so he sought to see him. Here's the first thing I want you to understand about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one, if you're using your outline, that that relationship with Christ isn't a sideshow, but it's a life-changing, full surrender commitment. Last night, I turned the TV on, and one of America's all-time favorite programs was on television last night about 9.30. You know what it was? I Dream a Genie. And there he was, Tony Nelson, I think was his name, Major Healy. They were in a jam once again. And everything in that show revolves around things getting fixed by rubbing a bottle of a genie. Let me tell you something. That is a half-hearted commitment to a full, loving God. God is God whether he answers my prayer the way I think he should or not. God's God whether he gets me out of the jam I've created or not. He is worthy of our praise. And when you give your life to Christ, you need to recognize it's a life-changing, full surrender commitment. Oh, they had seen it. He had fed the 5,000. They heard the confession of Peter. But we need to be reminded that even when there's disciples around Jesus, there will always be those who are saying, where is he? I've heard about him. Let me see what he can do for me. Now, it's interesting in this passage that there is a phrase used that's very familiar in the New Testament, and it's the phrase, son of man. When you look at the phrase, son of man, in verse 22... The Son of Man must suffer many things. Perhaps the most familiar passage in our hearts is Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man must come to seek and to save that which is lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I remind you this morning, if Jesus is coming to seek and to save us from being lost, there must be some place we're supposed to be. You're not lost if you're not going anywhere. But because of our sin, we're separated from God. We're lost. And Jesus' mission, this great rescue mission, is Christ coming into the world in which we live and making the instructions clear of how we can be saved. But you know, uh, the rest of Luke Luke also talks about it, like Luke 12, 8. Also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. there's, There's kind of a Herod verse. What do you mean, Brother Greg? That you don't come halfway. You don't come ashamed of Christ when you give your life to Christ. You come and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. I need you. As a Christian, you say, Lord, I've turned. I'm doing some things I shouldn't. Forgive me. I repent. I turn from it. 
you fully surrender. And part of that is confessing Christ. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, I don't like the idea of an invitation. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus always made a way. He didn't leave people hanging. And be reminded, if I found out you had cancer and I knew what kind you had and I'd been cured of it, I would bring you the prescription and say, would you like to receive it? But I'm telling you here this morning, we can be healed of physical cancer and die lost in our sin. But I'm telling you, the greatest story of heaven is one recognizes that I am lost and I have a disease greater than anything physically. It's spiritual darkness and I'm separated from God and I accept the great physician, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior who dies on Calvary so I could be healed. Anybody want to say amen? That's good news. So Luke was very familiar with this term, son of man. Now, let's define it, okay? It recognizes his sovereignty and preexistence, but it doesn't stop there. The Bible tells us that the Son of Man comes as a suffering servant. Now, the Son of Man for some folks can be defined differently. For instance, some believe that it's simply uh, an event that takes place. So he's the son of man of an event. Uh, others would say it's just simply his humanity. For instance, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who being in the form of God, who, Jesus, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but himself made of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of a man. Why did God come in the likeness of a man? Folks, it's, I, I believe it, it's because we would never understand the love of God. He is so holy and worthy and majestic. And he comes in the form of one of us. The Bible says, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Amen. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. And at that name, every tongue should confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Some believe it just emphasizes his humanity, the Son of Man. Some, a specific event. But I believe when Jesus identifies himself publicly as the Messiah, there's an emphasis on the cross. But folks, make sure you understand something. While there's an emphasis on the cross and of the suffering servant, the Son of God is sovereign and in charge. His claim would be to usher in this glorious kingdom and he would do it by becoming a suffering servant that Isaiah 53 talks about. And, and many would ask a question, something like this. Well, what makes Jesus so special? I mean, he's God in the flesh. He lays down his life so we can live. He lives a perfect life prior to that. So it's the sinless sacrifice that has been made. And this Jesus loves you the way you are. That Jesus really does love you the way you are. Now just think about how lovable you are this morning. 
I don't know, is it me or is it just men in general? Like if your wife asks you, can you find something, get this out of my purse, you go to her purse and it's like an abyss of not knowing where anything is. But yet if you hand her the purse, she goes right to it. Well, yesterday at the house, or, or Friday at the house, Jordy was there and Renee was watching him and she was asking me to do something and, and she asked me about the second or third time and I kind of barked at it, barked out from the back room. You know, as a husband, you can really do a lot of barking from the back bedroom. And I said, what, what? And it seemed kind of harmless until I walked out in the living room and realized my grandson was sitting right there listening to me bark at mammal. Anybody want to say amen? It's a little lonely at the moment in the pulpit. Hey, listen to me. He loves you the way you are. but loves you too much to leave you that way. And that's what the cross is all about. Now, I'm all in on the cross. I mean, maybe you've got one on around your neck or, or some jewelry today. Amen. That's, that's, that's a great testimony of your faith. But the cross of Calvary is more than a picture and more than jewelry. It's our hope beyond this world. You say, Brother Greg, you've been talking lately a lot about the afterlife. I, that's what 60 will do to you. But I'm telling you, folks, we're living in a day, listen, where there are some Herods out there just wanting a good view of the show and could care less about Jesus. And there's some genie in a bottle folks out there that rub it every time life gets tough and God gets you through it and you're okay and you put him back in the shelf till next crisis. But I'm telling you, when you think of the Son of Man, I want you to think of one who loves you just the way you are and loves you so much that he would not leave you that way. Well, he describes some things in a very simple verse, 22. Luke chapter 9, the Son of Man must first of all suffer. Suffer. Suffer comes in many different forms. It can come physically. It can come emotionally. Hey, you can suffer spiritually. It's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when they revile you because of me. And then he says, he'll be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. Listen to me. It wasn't the outside world. It was the religious world. and be killed, and be raised the third day. A little later in the same chapter, flip the page, Jesus is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm telling you, Peter, James, and John, they've got to be all in now, man. They've seen God in all of his glory. They've seen the glory of God in Jesus. A boy is miraculously healed who has seizures, and then, out of the blue, verse 33, and they were all amazed at the majesty of God, but while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, let these words sink down into your ears. Let this sink in. 
For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Let this sink in. Uh, the Greek is, put this into your ear. The Son of Man is about to be delivered. It means ordained, predetermined. Calvary wasn't an afterthought from Jesus. He is making the payment that would take for you to be saved and for I to be saved, to be redeemed and forgiven, to have hope beyond this thing called life that hurts so bad sometimes, doesn't it, folks? But the good news is it was the plan of God. Oh, the Bible says they were amazed. There's a lot of people that are amazed. Many in the New Testament followed Jesus just to see him do a miracle or wonder. It talks about they were amazed at the majesty of God, majesty, the splendor of God. Some people see it but fail to recognize it. And then the Bible says everyone marveled at all the things which he did. They marveled. They admired it. Yet they never submitted to him. So he says, let this sink in. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Have you ever been betrayed by a friend? When Jesus sat at the table, he knew the heart of Judas from the beginning. You say, really, Greg, then did Jesus make a mistake by choosing him? No, folks, he wanted to warn us and caution us about false faith. And be reminded that it's one thing to sit in a church pew on Sunday or sit around a table and talk about Jesus and maybe even observe communion and, and, and intimate times with him, but still be so far off that you're running in misery. Now, when you look at this passage, verse 45 says, but they did not understand this saying. And it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive. They did not understand it. They did not perceive. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. I believe you could circle that part of that verse. They were afraid to ask him. I believe you could circle that verse. And for me... I could, I could preach that verse as one of the saddest verses in Scripture. To be with Jesus and to be afraid to ask him to help me understand. How do we do that in the life we live? We do that by praying, don't we? God, help me to understand. I, I don't get it. How does evil win in this world? And the Bible says it may appear to win for a short time. But the day is coming, Amen. When the Lord Jesus, King Jesus, will put everything under his feet. And that old liar, the devil, will be gone once and for all. And folks, I, I'm grateful today. I'm grateful that while there are some things in our lives we may not understand, listen, don't be a Christian. Don't be a person who might be seeking and trying to find out. Let me tell you, bring it all to Jesus. He, he, did, he doesn't get shook up. He, he doesn't wonder how he's going to respond. He 
has everything you need. But the Bible says they didn't perceive. They didn't get it. Uh, oftentimes, the reason that it's hard for us might be because there's unbelief. The reason it might be hard for us is because there's sin in our life. The reason it might be hard for us is that we're spiritually dull. We've grown cold. We're like the ember that's in the fire, and it, it gets uh, displaced from the heat, and before long, it changes colors and gets cool. You see, they refuse to see it. Because they could have asked. And the King Jesus certainly has the answer. I was the guy in college that used to make fun of the, the guys that sat on the front row and ask all the questions. Uh, I was in this computer processing class, and I can almost picture them right now. I used to call them the Blues Brothers. Teacher would ask a question, their hands would go up. And I'd sit in the back saying, are you kidding me? But you know what I found out? Most of the time, those are the guys who pass the class because they ask questions. Now, sometimes, I believe we don't ask questions because we, we feel embarrassed. Small group is a good place for that to take place. Sunday school is an ideal place for that kind of communication to take place. Now, I would dare say that there's some sitting in here, you've never been to a Sunday school class in your life, because not because you don't think you don't need it, but because you feel awkward. Well, I can assure you there's probably others in there who had the same feeling someday, and they would gladly be your entrance to help you settle in as you come together. You know, it's natural to feel awkward wherever you go for the first time. Think about when you were hired for that job, you know, you wanted to dress right, you wanted to look good, you wanted to present yourself well, you wanted to get there in the right amount of time, not too early, not too late, you wanted to do everything right, thinking that that would all get you hired. The Bible says that they didn't get it, and that they were afraid to ask Jesus a question. You might be here this morning and saying, you know what, Brother Greg? I don't even know what to ask. Well, let me ask you a few questions. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Now, every believer in here should be able to answer that question. And you should be able to answer it with a common thread answer. If it doesn't have anything to do with Jesus Christ and his death on the cross to pay for your sin, listen to me, you better take a good look this morning whether or not you're saved. There's no amount of church gonna get you to heaven. No denomination is gonna be in heaven. But only those redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, listen, who ask a question once, Lord, will you really save me? Will you come into my heart and forgive me of my sin? I believe the word of God. I believe what you said, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that and receive that by faith. Would you save my soul? The Bible says they didn't hear because they even didn't ask what it meant. Number three, 
Our spiritual condition can cause hearing problems. You guys know what I'm talking about. We try to fix it, do we not? Try to help it. Try, try to make it better. Try to tune in. Try to move the rabbit ears so we can get it a little better. I mean, how do we miss it? How do we miss it? Our spiritual condition can cause us not to hear God. They didn't perceive it. They didn't get it. They didn't grab it. But only by God's grace. The cross was before them. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, what about Peter? You're right. Peter was in on that Mount of Transfiguration, and he was also the one who withdrew from Jesus the closer he got to Calvary. Did he not know that the one in the inner circle would do that to him? He reminds us that it can happen to anybody. And when he looks down from Calvary, he sees you and me, and he loves us the way we are, and he loves us too much to leave us that way. And he says, if you'll come to me, I'll save you forever, once and for all. Number four, don't be afraid to come to Jesus because he has the answers to your questions. And your questions might be different than somebody else's. Some of you were raised in Christian homes, and, and now you're back to church because you recognize, you know what, uh, that was truth, and I needed it, and I'm back. Some of you are searching, and you're wondering if it's true. Listen, keep on bringing the questions to Jesus. Keep on being in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit of God will use His Word to help you understand who He is. I'll close with this. Just let it sink in. Friday, Stacy teaches here. She normally gets home sometime around 4 o'clock. She picks up the boys from Roy and Kathy's or, or where they're at on that day. And uh, I think it was Friday. And we get a text that said, I'm just south of Eaton, heading north, and I've just witnessed a head-on collision between a semi-truck and a car heading south on 127 right by the, the water plant, the water tower there in Eaton. So she said, Kyle's on the way. Well, I, I didn't think a whole lot of it, and I told her, now I better call her. And I called her, and she picked up the phone, and she was hysterical. And she said, Dad, the car came left the center and hit that truck. She said, Dad, if it had been a, a minute difference, it would have been us. And she was shaking. I could tell it as she talked. And when I think of the cross, I think of that illustration in my mind, that the cross, listen, Jesus took it for me. He took the hit for me. He took what would have killed me and sent me to eternal damnation. He paid for it so that I could be saved. And the other day, I don't know why they decided to run back into the school with the boys to go to the potty before they left. But God had a plan. But God had a plan. He's got a plan for you. Let it sink in. And I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you're a senior adult this morning or a little child. All God wants to do is save you and, and take you to heaven one day when you die. Give you purpose to wake up in the morning and to live for him. You say, well, Brother Greg, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a singer. Listen, we're not asking you to be a preacher or a singer. Jesus just wants you to live for him. Tell your story. 
Tell your story. And that's the good news. And when I let that sink in, it changes me. It changes me. April 13th, 1976, the church I grew up in, uh, architecture back in the day was long, narrow sanctuaries with two rows of pews. I was sitting right back here in left center, about where you are, Tracy. That was deep back there. And I had made a decision. Boy, I sure hope mom and dad aren't ashamed of me, but I'm not even sure I'm saved. And after this, when he get, if he gives an invitation tonight, I'm going forward. April 13th, 1976, and I'll close with this statement. There have been many times I've been a sorry Christian, but there's never been one time I regret that I became a Christian. Why? Because I let it sink in one day. Would you bow your heads?